0: Awesome. So yes, let me just put this on there. Perfect. So thank you all again for joining us um, on the foyer. And um, I'll be adding people along as we go, so hopefully I don't get this uh, distracted. But thank you, Trevor, for today's uh, sermon. I've, I've read um John 20 before, and I think there's a lot of interesting things happening mm-hmm. in, uh, in John 20, but I think just today, those phrases, as Jesus says, um, as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you, just really kind of hit home for me. and and hopefully for us as a church so I thought it'd be good just to ask you a few questions um, and then open up the floor for all of us to kind of um, ask some questions um, as well so the first question I had for you Trevor was um, do you think that sometimes as a church we can easily forget that we are called to be part of God's uh, mission I know you emphasized a lot on on God's mission as a whole
1: yeah yeah thanks Denzel. I I think we do and I, I wonder if there is a danger that maybe in many situations the focus has come to be more on on, on the church and, yeah. and less on yeah the, the mission of God. I wonder if a lot of churches maybe do feel they're on the back foot and there are churches worried about their budgets, they're worried about congregations who are ageing, they are worried about membership numbers and... Is there a danger? I think there is that the focus becomes bums and seats. You know, Mm -hmm. sorry to put it that crudely, but I I, I think it is. I hear ministers sometimes or church leaders talk about that language. And uh, and that's a very different mindset to understanding ourselves to be in relationship with God uh, and, and sent by God. And I mean, the big question has always got to be what are we calling people to be part of and what are we looking them looking to draw them into Mm. is it just that we want people to rock up and come to Selston baptist church because we want the numbers to be okay yeah we want Selston baptist church to be passed on to the next generation i mean i want Selston baptist church to be passed on to the next generation i am passionate about that i want to see this church thrive long into the future but why why do we want to see it, 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 it thrive it, it, it's it's because God loves the world and God wants to draw people back towards Him, uh, and God is a God who sends, and and yeah, that's why that's why we do it. Mm. All of this, all that we do, is about Him and being part of His purposes. And there is something, isn't there, about being drawn into relationship with Him and into the people He gathers around Him. And from that basis we go, rather than just let's keep the institution going. Absolutely. But, uh, I, I I find this very challenging. I mean, I, I started off this sermon preparation thinking, oh, this dotting Thomas, I, I I need to I need to talk about him and doubt and issues like that. But but I just find myself very taken with the stuff at the start. Our mm. I, I right mission, and sometimes it's like that when you're preaching, isn't it? You feel, you feel yeah. drawn to a particular angle. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, i think that's
0: it's so helpful that we're reminded of that and i think just having this god's mission in mind would hopefully shape the way we pray for the world and not just our own selves mm-hmm. and the way we interact with the world where we interact with missionaries around the world where we support yeah. uh, pray financially and so on so this is uh, big stuff that we need to be reminded of uh, and the second question which was quite an interesting one when you mentioned um, your emphasis about jesus breathing uh, among yeah. his disciples which was quite an interesting part in that passage uh but what do you think jesus breathing new life uh, into us looks like uh today
1: yeah gosh i thought that's yeah <laughs> it's, it's quite, a, quite an interesting question to all there isn't a goodness and 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 think about um i i find myself thinking about, about this this morning and and just reflecting on other passages in john's gospel and i i know i quoted from john other places in john during this sermon yeah, but I felt that was important as well. I don't think you can fully make sense of this passage outside the context of the rest of John's gospel because it's just bills, bills, and bills, doesn't it, towards yeah. this. Name John, Jesus says, You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, he 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 also promises life and life to the full. If you look at John, the gospel as a whole, it, it's sort of a book of contrasts. So you've got these two worlds operating in John. You've got the world above, and the world above kind of invades the world below because Jesus comes. And the world above is truth, and the world above is light, uh, and the world above is, is 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 life, and that's what Jesus brings. And, and then the world below is lies and darkness and death, if you like, in opposition to the truth and the light and the life. It's almost at the end then, you've got this new creation moment. So Jesus has come and embodied this, but now he sends his church. And it's something about in resurrection power, this new creation has arrived. I just wonder if, if what we're seeing here is him saying, you know, living this new creation. I, I, there is a space now operating in my world where everything works differently. And it's all about this, this life to the full. And it's all about light and not darkness. And it's all about truth. And there is forgiveness to be found. And that there's joy to be fine. So I think there's something about we receive this new life just when we live in this world and this, this, this space which is different and in contrast to the world around us. But then there is, that's only part of it. It's not just I live a different set of values. It's about the spirit as well. And it's about something that God supernaturally imparts into us so that it is possible to know peace and to know joy and, and to feel hope within us, even if that might not make sense, given all the, the circumstances we're facing. I I don't know why the memory came back. I remember reading, sure, a number of us will have read about Richard is it? who was the pastor imprisoned by communist regimes. And he said that when he was in his prison cell at night, he would dance. He was on his own in solitary confinement. He says, I danced and sometimes I felt I was filled with such joy that I would burst if I didn't dance. That's what the Spirit of God, (laughs) breathing the new life of Jesus, looks like a man dancing on his own in a prison cell in confinement, because he says God has given him so much joy, he's got to move. And uh, that's what God can do. Mm -hmm. He he can replace our despair and and give us joy. He replaces death with life, uh, so, and um, yeah, it only comes through the spirits,
0: yeah. Awesome, yeah. thank you for that, Trevor. Mm. Uh, and and the last question I, um, I had for you, um, just about just kind of struck with what you mentioned about the authority that Jesus uh, gives to his disciples, and we know there's other passages that Jesus speaks about this as well. But um, how important is it for us as a church to be reminded of the authority Jesus has given us as we seek to be part of God's? mission
1: yeah i i think i've been reflecting on this quite a lot i i, I might i might do something with i think maybe it over a bit more for second thoughts but mm. i think there's something here about confidence jesus says be confident word is like confidence comes from it comes from him i mean there is something interesting in in these post-resurrection and about. Risen Jesus has an authority, an even greater authority than he has had before. Isn't it interesting? You're preaching on the Great Commission, aren't you, in a couple of weeks, Denzel? The beginning of that Great Commission, he says, all authority in heaven and earth is is given to me. So there is something about in his risen power. He he has an authority and a power that, that, that he's imparting to us. I think there is something here as well about... The authority He gives us to bless, and to speak words of life, and to speak words that make a difference in situations. When Jesus speaks, Jesus' words change things. I think He gives us a power to speak in ways that change things. I mean, there are some—I was thinking about this this morning. There are some traditions of the church where, where a priest might speak words of, of absolution over someone. And we perhaps bulk at that in our Baptist tradition because that's not an understanding of priesthood that we might have, and we might want to acknowledge that there are sometimes problematic aspects of that, of 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 giving people a a par uh, in someone's life that might we say take the place of God. But there is something about another aspect of this which I think is about. Sometimes we need to speak the name of Jesus and say to people who doubt and who are struggling, you know what? You are forgiven. God says you're forgiven. In Jesus' name, we say you're forgiven. You don't have to be defined by that mistake that you made years ago anymore. (laughs) You know what? God says you can know healing, and you're going to move on. I I I can. I, I thought about this this morning, and I thought about a time when I remember talking. To someone in, in Yardley Wood, they'd struggled with issues for quite a while. They were struggling to move on from certain issues. And I remember just being led by God to say, No more. When I prayed for them, I just said, No more. You know, enough. En- enough of all of this living with regrets uh, and-, and living with stuff that has just weighed you down. And I can see is weighing you down so much. Jesus says, No more. We're moving on. We're going to talk about forgiveness from this time forth. I wonder if we deal with a bit more of that boldness because he gives us that authority. Absolutely. Uh, and, and and he says we can, you know, there are a lot of people who it's not that, a lot of people struggle to know they're forgiven. And there are a lot of people struggling to know I really have permission to move on. And, and God really is saying I can move on. And and who's going to say that? into people's lives if the people of god don't say it no one else is going to say it and um yeah maybe this is you know we talk about blessing and not cursing. maybe yeah. this is by the blessing mm. he's calling us to bring
0: amen that's definitely a big amen to that thank you trevor yeah. so i'm going to open up the floor for anyone else who has any questions or reflections on the sermon or anything that trevor has said feel free just to to share now you can wave at me or you can just unmute yourself mm. that'd be great see Jane's hand already okay.
2: yeah um yeah thanks for that Trev it was really uh challenging it just made me think about um as the congregation well as a church are we kind of we think about mission like our overseas missionaries but what about yeah. the folks at home what about us in the congregation what you're saying is that we're all missionaries we should all be sent we should all be doing and going and being in our communities. And it isn't just the work of the evangelist or the minister or, I mean, there's so many things, isn't there like evangelism, um, what's that series called? Evangelism explosion or something, All, all sorts of special ways of learning how to say something. But I'm just wondering if we have been sort of lulled into a sense of, it's not our job somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, th- I think some of the most, you're absolutely right, Jane. What you, You've reminded me, showing our generational uh, influences here. Now, I remember, you know, the old Keith Green song, Jesus commands us to go, uh, which we might remember, and it should be the exception if we stay. And I think, yeah, we are We are sent, Jane, you're right. And um, I mean, you've made me think, I mean, some of the, the, the stuff that the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity have done in this area is terrific. They talk about front lines uh, and they use this language of, 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 of thinking about where is your front line. And yeah, you're right, Jane. So wherever where, where has wherever I am, can I think of that as that is the place to which he has sent me, wherever mm. my day is. So whether that is waggy tales and the community of people who I am meeting there, whether that is the choir uh, that I sing in, in a particular evening, whether that is uh, you know, Christian family concern, whether that is, you know, thinking about some of the context, some of us here serving, serving uh, or, or, or Canon uh, and the management team meetings there, you, you, you know, that's the front line. He hasn't called anyone else to be present there for it. He hasn't. He may not have sent anyone else into those contexts, but he sent us. And and it, thinking of those places as our, our mission fields, you know, mm. who else is going to speak forgiveness or tell people that forgiveness is possible and new beginnings are possible? So, yeah, he sends all of us. Absolutely.
0: Mm. Yeah. It will be interesting to know where the church kind of derailed um, from that kind of definition because we see even the early church had this idea that we're kind of all in this together wherever mm. we are um, and the, the ministers or the, the preachers the people who have those offices were there to equip people so that they can continue to be missionaries evangelists and 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 people who share the gospel in many different ways so I think it's definitely something we need to kind of journey as a church together to see our kind of back onto your sermon in terms of being involved in God's bigger mm. mission is such Again, and I think the more we understand this, the more we see God at work in the ways that we work in our communities, in our homes, in our schools, and there yeah, different places that God is opening for us. So it's definitely a big lesson for us. Uh, but sorry, no more preaching. Anyone else? <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Brian. Brian.
3: Yes, can, can I just say that some... Um, uh, we think of the story of Pilgrim's Progress, and we think of the burden falling off Pilgrim at the cross, and uh, uh, with the reference about people being burdened and having to break their—I mean—reference to the uh, counselling as well. Uh-huh. Um, it's very relevant uh, on this subject that we draw enough attention to this question of relief of the of the. Um, uh, of the fact that we can be totally forgiven, yeah. uh, and, and, I, and I think it doesn't come to the fore nearly enough today.
1: Mm. No, you're right. You're right, Brian. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, G- Jesus spoke, didn't he, in Nazareth about proclaiming release of captives and mm. how are people being held captive? I mean, we've 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 reflected on it, yeah, in the counselling, but. It's just a lot of people imprisoned and struggling in in lots of different ways. And I do come back, I mean, I think, just think again about that sermon you preached, Paul, a couple of weeks ago on Matthew 10, when he says, raise the dead and cleanse lepers and cast out demons. And, you know, he's basically saying, where people are held captive, that you encounter them, speak Jesus' words of release to change the situation it's not changed. The, the ways people are held captive might have changed, but the command to be agents have changed, and and, and speak of release hasn't. It's it's yeah. We've got to do it. Yeah. anyone else so have
0: can... any?
3: Oh. Mm. So just to say, it's, it's very much it's practical Christianity
1: yeah yeah it's, it's
3: getting alongside people where they are sharing with them and helping them to see the answers that are in jesus
1: yeah absolutely brian yeah and yeah listening and and yeah i mean you remind me again what we spoke and about a couple of weeks ago it's not about here is a formula and i will tell it to you it's what are you really struggling with? And let me talk to you about how Jesus can help. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it,
3: it's a major role of the prayer team as well as the counselling, yeah. isn't it? It's
0: yeah. Absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Kathleen, I see your hand up.
4: I was just going to say, do you think, um, though, that for some people in the society that we live in, there is a tendency to deny that there is anything to be released from. You know, there's almost this kind of um, feeling that, you know, y- your life has to be perfect because, you know, I think I think particularly maybe for um, the younger generation where social media plays such a, a part in their lives, you know, they, they see everybody else's life as, as being perfect because, you know, that's superficially what it looks like so that there's this tendency to deny, actually, that there is anything that they're struggling with or or, um, uh, that they need forgiveness for. You know, I think sometimes the language might be lost, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Gosh, that's huge, isn't it? I mean, I... I, 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 Yeah. we, we, we. We need to think a little bit more about that. We're very aware, aren't we? I I mean, there is much more sensitivity in our society, I think, to things like mental health struggles, aren't there, to to the brokenness that a lot of us carry, to our fragility. Uh, I mean, it's been fascinating, even when you look at a lot of the reporting around the pandemic, it has focused not just on the, the, the cost of, of, of lives being lost, but the cost of isolation, the, the, the cost of sort of purposelessness of, of, of people, so I, I don't know, we, we... I think there is a lot more sensitivity and encouragement to explore what's going on in our hearts to be open about struggles and, and and you know, it's okay not to be okay. It's something we, we hear spoken of a lot, but I'm still not sure. Are we any nearer being equipped to actually knowing what we do with all of those feelings uh, and where to go to get help? Uh, you know, we, we are, I still worry that we are distracting ourselves as a way around it and medic over medicating ourselves as a way around it and and yeah probably looking for answers in places that aren't going to bring the ultimate healing which jesus and which the community of jesus people can offer um
4: i just wonder as well whether the language of sin and forgiveness isn't something that just goes over people's heads
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I wonder if, yeah, I I think there is definitely something in that. I wonder whether, I think a lot of people, they feel that they need to be healed. They feel they need to be made whole. I mean, I think people, there's a lot of people might speak of brokenness, But whether sin and shame are categories they recognize, I'm not sure. Yeah. So how do we communicate God's love and God's wholeness in that context? Is something is there about saying, you know, nothing in my hand I bring simply to my my cross-cycling? You know, there's something about... Recognising need and recognising our emptiness and something only God can fill. Is that the language to begin with? Uh, at least for people who might not recognise sin even as a an operating category in, in their life for expressing where they're at. I think
2: it's important to um, think about the language we use. So the kind mm. of Christianese that we use all the time to each other. And we expect folk to understand what we're on about. Mm. So we talk to each other about forgiveness and repentance, and and that those sorts of words. But I think I was just reading something about a, um, a girlie you might remember this Kathleen, who went and took a stall at one of the spiritual fair, you know, the spiritual fairs, mind body spirit type of thing, mm. and and how enthusiastic people were to come and talk to her, and she made no no kind of big deal about the fact that they were Christian she was very overt about it and they were just inundated with people wanting to find out but they didn't talk they talked about spirituality and prayer and healing mm-hmm. so it, I, I what I'm saying I guess is it's important to recognize that we use a language a particular type of language when we talk about church yeah. and and Jesus and stuff so I think it's just being a little bit more aware of picking our words, maybe,
5: yeah.
2: so that folk connect with us, really. Yeah, absolutely.
5: Yeah. I th- I think it's, that's extremely important, Jane, because it's we we use a certain set of language, as you rightly say, there are other people who use the very same words but their concept of what those words mean and how they impact whether they are internal or external um, can either make a conversation or it can blow it, you know. Um, So I think that's that's an important thing. And this whole question of um, brokenness and being shame and in need, uh, I think, mass of the people that christians seek to share the gospel with uh, are who are, would say that's who i am that's the way i am i feel so broken i have these these issues and so on their concept is one that these problems have come to my life externally they come to me because of this and they will blame relatives they will blame blame their previous employer, or, or all sorts of people, neighbors, people who abused them, or whatever, uh, when they were children or students, and so on. Um, the concept that we that we so naturally talk about is what the problem inside us, our problem, our our own sin is what separates us from God, and, and so on, is an extraordinarily difficult one, I think. To um. to get over uh, or to get alongside um and, and that's again with this question of we've going back another conversation there was the, about the the social media side because the social media is it's quite corrosive I think for in a lot of people's lives this seeking of uh, acceptability, of perfection, of reaching um, sort of artificial images, artificial mm-hmm. positions. Um, and a lot of the traditional Christian talk just does, does not seem to fit with that. And it's much more a question of submission. is not so much what we do but it's what people experience when they do find themselves with us, by whatever means. It's what's in, it's living, mission is living something and being something Mm. rather than the kind of speeches or the kind of sermons that we preach. The sermons and, and these things should not contradict, but nonetheless, what will, what, and this we would find this soon. I would say we found this in, in, in Asia, particularly in other countries, that it's, it's not what necessarily what's spoken and might have traditionally been done in the missions world. But it's there's something attractive, there's something which is challenging in the, in the life that they see. And that's what stimulates the questions and the concerns and a sense of saying, it's not that I want to be you. I don't want to have it or be favoured by you, I just want to have what you, you've got something that I want.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful Paul. You've reminded me, I remember reading Ganesha a number of years ago about an American missionary to Japan who, I mean he kind of says I I spent the first while that I was there talking about guilt and then I realised I wasn't really Hitting home to anyone because honor and shame were, were more important categories for people than than a concept of legal guilt, uh, and 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 so he uh, he he learned to talk about Jesus as the one who removes shame, uh, and and dishonor, uh, and I wonder, yeah, do do we need do we need to realize that our culture has changed, yeah, and therefore find different different language and different operating sort of metaphors yeah yeah
0: yeah awesome I have the last last uh, one I, th-
3: I th- think I think that uh, what Trevor said about the question it's not about us it's not about the church it's about the Lord's will the doing the Lord's work I thought that was yeah. so important yeah yeah and we can easily look at other people and see their needs and that type of thing but we can't expect the lord to actually work through us unless we are rooted in him and our own uh, closeness to the lord is so important in this mm-hmm. because he's the one that will show us the approach that we need in any individual case amen absolutely yeah. i was about to
1: say that as well it's like it just shows how important it is to Draw on God every day because so many different people are in different places. You know, the language we use
3: is going to be different each day depending on our circumstance, and we need God's help to. Mm. Oh, so easy to do our meeting, reading in the morning and get and you know and prepare for the
5: day, but once we're in that day and we're in our own world, so to speak, quite often we can do things in our own strength because you know we mm. get carried away, and yeah. well. we we really
1: need to try and draw on God throughout the day, as it were. And, Mm. ways we can so to speak
3: yeah thank you definitely
4: i think it is important though to um as well to be aware uh just to be really aware of the society that we're in and how it operates you know um
0: yeah so, awesome thank you guys i think that was a really good uh discussion um i'll just set up the, the breakout rooms and i think Um, one of the practices I'm trying to uh, do is after a sermon just going back to the passage and just reflecting over it because as God continues to speak to us because I know sometimes we can hear a sermon and think yeah we've got that in the bag we've got it now sorted Mm. Uh, but just journeying through that passage journeying through that sermon uh, with our home groups and